Welcome to Living Newspaper Clippings, a series of conversations recorded remotely online between some of the writers and artists who are creating Living Newspaper at the Royal Court Theatre. Over six editions, Living Newspaper brings together more than 200 freelance artists to make new work about what matters to them now. Alongside these conversations, you can watch clips of the work they discuss and find out about future editions on the Royal Court Theatre website. The following content may contain strong language. So my name's Mark Ravenhill and I was part of the writing collective for the Living Newspaper Edition 2. Hello, I'm Shankar Chowdhury. I am one of the design collective, um, also working with Mark on Edition 2. So Shankar, we find ourselves here like with the Living Newspaper on a bit of a... What, hiatus, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Everything's on pause. So how? So you did two, and then, then you got word of complete lockdown, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, we knew, we knew it was coming because we had our sort of Christmas preemptive lockdown happening during edition two. And then, um, and then it was sort of, exp- I don't know, I felt like maybe January was probably going to be held on board, but there was always the option to do online only. Um, and then I think we got word from um, the Royal Court that they were hoping to bring it back into an in-person experience at the end of whenever this lockdown is, which at the time was going to be February half term, but I think we're moving on till March 8th. So hopefully yeah. it will be up again. We've still got four weeks to do. And as and as a writer, I was just assigned to, to one of the weeks. So actually my my work is done. But, uh, but, but, but you were across the whole thing. So how does it... How does it feel for you having the work interrupted like this? Um, this one feels more like I've sort of a bit more of a sizable pause. I think in the first, we, you know, I've been with this project from about August. Um, and we've had a couple of different interruptions like that, but it always felt like the work was still going because there was still quite a lot of conceptual work to do in the early stages about what the newspaper was. Um, and then we had a lockdown just as we were about to go into our initial um, production week in our get-in before it was all meant to start in November. But um, that, to be honest, was a little bit of a breath of fresh air because we really were like going at it and it was going to be pretty intense. So I think that gave us a bit of breathing room. Whereas I think because we did so much to get it up and going, in addition to was like a real, like it was sort of non-stop for a few weeks up until that point. There was, um, there's been, it's felt more like a detachment from the whole thing, this lockdown, um, and more like I've sort of stepped away, stepped out of it. So I'm sort of looking forward is to getting so long, back into it. Is it so long now that you feel that's that anxiety that maybe you won't be able to get back into the, into the groove again? Um, no, not really. I think like it helps that there are six of us in the design collective, so the sort of collective energy is pretty strong and I think once we are all bouncing off each other again it will come back pretty quickly. Um, You can explain because actually I don't know how did that design collective come together how did you find each other or did one person find you all or? So way back in May Chloe Lamford who's the associate designer at the Royal Court she got in touch with um, a group of us I think she was looking for a sort of a group of emerging and younger designers 
to just start having a sort of weekly conversation with. So we sort of met in a more organic way as a as a group of designers hoping to just talk about design in the pause that was happening with the pandemic. Um, and we were speaking all over the shop about like, what was it like to be a designer? What did we think design could be? We were sort of also having conversations um, about our work and just, it was quite a nice sort of collective sharing that didn't really have a specific purpose. And in that conversation, we had touched upon the idea of, oh, what would it be like to design as a group? It turns out that um, at the same time, obviously Vicky was creating the Living Newspaper Project and Chloe was um, thinking about that. And it sort of felt that, I think Chloe sort of realised that actually those two conversations could sync up. And yeah. so we were approached as the group that had formed with a very different reason, um, as would we as a group want to design a uh, living newspaper? And that's how we got in. Um, and since then, have really just been the six of us batting it all from different angles um, since about August on so living newspaper. I'm going to take you way, way back. How did you, how did you start off? Okay. Um, so I am an engineering student. Really? Who, oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Who respect? Uh, thank you. Well, I'm not a very good one anymore, but um, I was one who who uh, really enjoyed science, but really enjoyed it. This? Where were you then? Uh, this was at Imperial College London in um, so studied in London. Yeah. Mechanical engineering. Um, I quickly realised I wasn't an engineer. Say I kind of chosen this thing that had elements that I was interested in, um, and I spent basically all my free time with the Musical Theatre Society at Imperial, and also I think being in London and um, and living in London for the first time, sort of falling in love with theatre. Yeah, and were you in shows then with the Musical Theatre? Yeah, I started performing. My first ever show was the role. What was your favourite role, Shanko? Well, see, I was a very good ensemble member and not a very good lead because I didn't have a tenor voice is my is my excuse but um favorite show that you were in uh the producers which was my first show yeah yeah brilliant um and basically halfway through my course I was like I'm not gonna be an engineer I want to go into design broadly and there was sort of a design engineering route and so I did everything I could to buff up a portfolio um to get me into this design masters at the Royal College of Art um, and so that really was like, okay, I'm going to move from performing to di- directing, choreographing and designing for that society. Yeah. Uh, and then that got me into art school and I, di- I still didn't know what I was trying to do. And I think halfway through that postgrad, I saw this as Devlin documentary on Netflix. Mm. Um, and that kind of finally clicked in my brain that this was a job and that design for performing arts in general could happen. Uh, and so eventually turned like the last year of my postgrad into a sort of study of like technology and performing arts, looking at like motion capture and, um, okay, uh, looking at motion capture and dance and VR and music. And, um, and in the end, my thesis project was on set design and how maybe augmented reality might change the way we design. Yeah. So I had this sort of weird Frankenstein portfolio that, I was sort of just sending a few feelers out um, and then someone got in touch, a friend of mine got in touch saying that, oh, my boyfriend is looking for a a designer and that's how I kind of got involved. And it was sort of like a jump, finally sort of let that voice that had clearly been growing for about six years 
uh, tell me to like try and go. And I sort of fallen accidentally upwards through that to be a freelance designer. And uh, your, your, your family, when you announced the switch from engineer to designer? Well, I think I'd done enough of the like uh, prerequisites that they kind of knew that I had my head screwed on. Um, yeah. And that like there was always the idea that like I could always fall back to this plethora of different uh, higher education degrees I'd kind of gathered. And uh, so, so working on the living theatre, um, living newspaper, is it very, very different from anything else you've ever done? I mean, you're in a collective. You're also working with a collective of writers. You've got stuff writing coming in, like, right up to the wire. Yeah. Uh, is there a crossover with stuff you've done before, or is it, like, just all-new experience? I mean, I think from a theatre theater point of view, it was very new. And I'd love to, um, you know, ask the same question of you, how it was, how it changed for you as a process, as a writer. Um, it, I guess there was some overlap in the fact I'd done a bit of exhibition design, so I'd kind of thought about like, oh, there are all these different facets that are sort of quote unquote design and like the logistics and some of the sort of infrastructure planning that we did as, in the end that felt like. But from a theatre point of view, it's sort of interesting to have been right at the centre from the start, and I think that's yeah. very, very neat. I mean, how did you find it from a I, writing perspective? I, I think, yeah, I think there were, there were, yeah, a lot of differences. I mean, I think uh, the fact that you guys were involved from from the start, the design collective, and in many ways were 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 leading it, that you were actually able to show us, you know, quite fully realised ideas for an, for an environment and what you want to do the theatre. That then, uh, you know, we could write inside inside that. That's a very different way round. Uh, than you'd be used to. And obviously also the collective aspect of it that actually um, all the writers uh, talk, talking together before before we wrote anything. I mean, what was lovely for me was there's a chance to meet a lot of new writers as well because the, you know, there's quite a lot of uh, younger writers and writers new to the Royal Court um, involved. Uh, so it'd be better to be in a room and to actually meet, the, meet them like that. But, you know, second best... Zoom, so it's actually really nice to um, just just to meet fresh ideas and, and fresh talent and have those conversations. But because we got pushed back a bit anyway, uh, we had quite a lot of conversations. It was like week after week after week. Um, so I think as a writer also, you probably had to do this as a designer in a way. You also have to like hold back a bit of your bit of your brain so that you don't over overthink it and over talk it because the actual amount of writing that any of us had to do really was very short. Uh, so you don't want to sort of overburden that. You sort of want to have the conversation, sort of stew in all the ideas and enjoy that and get your mind working in some way, but you don't want to like end up trying to squeeze some sort of overthought thing into just a few minutes of writing. So how did you... Of, yeah, go on. How, well, how did you find that? Is that? Was that an easy instinct to pushed to the side or was it difficult yeah yeah I had to um yeah no I, yeah I just had to sort of slightly pace myself and think okay well it's great to have all these thoughts but then don't make all these decisions like overburden it because the actual piece of writing you want to leave to the last minute because it's a living because it's a living newspaper so you can think about the sort of wider issues and the wider aesthetics of it but actually on you know but actually don't write the thing until like 
a day before it's got to be in because otherwise it won't have that spontaneity. There's always an element of that in writing. You do research and you... I try not to talk too much to other people about it before I write it. I don't want to have like endless meetings talking about what I'm going to write. But you do obviously in your head do lots of thinking, but then you've got to go, right, it's there. And you sort of trust that it's there, but the actual act of writing has still got to be quite spontaneous. And although it's drawing on that thinking and research. And I guess, I guess any creative actors like that with design as well. It'd be great to talk a bit about the specific sections that you ended up writing into so if I'm correct there was the front page which is sort of the big musical number that collectively as an addition all of you writers were sort of involved in but then more specifically you had the um the opening address um from our actors which honestly when we first listened to it um in our dress rehearsal there were like tears because it just felt so um I don't know it just brought us into live theatre again um, and like that sort of direct relationship with the performer was something that I didn't realize how starved of it I was. Um, and I remember just being a really wonderful, it's a, such a wonderful piece in general. And we'd love to talk a bit more about that. But then also the one we most directly worked together on was with the cartoons, both of which are kind of quite uh, not particularly normal environments to write into. What was that like? The cartoon is particularly interesting because obviously, like a cartoon is primarily if not entirely a visual a visual thing so uh you know you do that's interesting you sort of question like why am i even why am i writing like a description or a sort of outline a breakdown whatever it is for a car for a cartoon that's that's an entirely visual thing but um you know i guess as a writer you are always training yourself you've trained yourself to think to think visually as well as uh, as as through words. I mean, you do, you know. I think most of us do have like stage pictures in a, in a, in our head as 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 we write. And you know, the most satisfying theatre is that meeting of like text and word and and uh, the image. But yeah, that that felt particularly weird. And yeah, I just sort of looked through. But also, that in fact, it had to be like a cartoon that you'd have in a newspaper, so it should also be like very hot off the press sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know mean, I definitely went through phases of thinking, why, I, why, why is a writer even involved in a cartoon? Surely that should just be like Shanko, just do that. Um, but yeah, and in the end, but it was good to like think, okay, primarily you've got to come up with like one big image for this. Um, and then probably a little bit of text. I mean, look, some of the very best cartoons don't have anything, but I thought, yeah a bit of speech bubbles. Uh, sometimes you have a little bit of a tag at the bottom as well that might throw. So sometimes, you know, or probably half the time, there's quite a good little bit of very concise text incorporated. So we did actually like sit and write. It's only like, I don't know, eight lines or 10 lines or something, but I sat and wrote down something, uh, which is like a sort of outline briefing document, visualize, describe. <laughs> Uh, for this cartoon and then and then sent it to you so like what was your response when you when you got it did you feel like it was too prescriptive or too open or no I really appreciated it I mean it's worth just talking a little bit about what the cartoon sort of toolkit is mm. and how then we used it so we we put the cartoon in the scenery dock which is behind the main stage and we have a sort of selection of different 
um, cardboard, like wooden cutouts of figures, some speech bubbles that are on casters, and then whatever <laughs> props we can get a hold of. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a challenging room because, because as you say, it is a primarily visual um, form that, you know, I think of cartoons that are uh, like New Yorker style one, they're sort of like a visual gag and then a caption or the, the sort of like newspaper strip foreseen cartoons. Um, and then when you throw a performer into that, you have the option of that. It's like, oh, are we going to make a quick sketch? Is it that sort of sketch comedy um, kind of feel? Um, and I really enjoyed your um, text because it felt like there were very specific panels. I could, in my head, I could imagine what the like the four four scenes of that strip comic would be, um, and that was quite a nice way to sort of tether what we were thinking about in terms of how we might visually. Um, Present it. I mean, also, you gave some really clear visual moments in the text that I think just held us very easily. Um, and that was, that was meant that actually it was pretty simple. It was kind of clear what we kind of had to do. And the, the sort of challenge for us was thinking about what does it mean to step into a cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's um, the difference that our, from it being in the newspaper, actually, our audience were going to experience it sort of spatially. I mean, I suppose the closest, you know, you could have to. Con- like the way you experienced the newspaper if you were sat and there was a cross arch and the curtain lifted and you could to see it and the curtain fell again. Yeah. But we knew that our audience were actually going to pass through the space. So it's actually different experience from a newspaper cartoon. They're going to see it from one angle, approach it, pass by it. And originally we thought they're going to be a live audience, but in the end we did it like as a, a live cast thing. But still the camera's going to go on that journey that the audience go on. And I so actually think that... A sequential thing, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I actually think that the camera helped a lot. Yeah, it was great. Because it allowed us to really control the sort of editing of it. Like, I think it would have been an interesting challenge thinking about how you have that sequence in a space where the audience are fixed and you're not necessarily moving them through a, a huge amount of room. Like, do you, you would probably have had to um, bring on Liza, the actor, to... Um, move things and there would have been a bit more choreography in yeah. real time. Whereas because we had the camera, we could almost set things up in a way um, that you could really control the sort of movement from frame to frame, um, which sort of was quite fun because it was like, oh, I'm going to have my little Spielberg one take moment. Uh, yeah. Sort of like, that, that was quite a nice, it was quite a nice exercise thinking about what's the sort of, about design as being not just setting up the space, but also thinking about the, the order in which you receive information. That, so I, I really enjoyed the making of it. I did find it particularly, I mean, as with all these things to resume, trying, I remember when it was me, you, and, um, and Jane, one of the facilitators of the, of the, from the court, trying to coordinate this like camera movement where was you were home. on. I was at home. Yeah. And, uh, I think Jane was showing it to me on her phone camera. Yeah phone, video, camera, and you guys were all there in masks and everything. It was sort of crazy, but it was fun as well, wasn't it, to figure that out like that? It was one of those things where I was like, this would be, in a world where I could pick up Jane's phone and show you exactly what I was imagining, this would be 10 times easier. But instead, I was sort of like, okay, Jane, can you just stand there and like point the camera, but don't point it too much? And it was like, ah, there's like lack of control over the, um, the actual, what I was had in my head. Um, but, you know, that's what making theatre in this time has been like so so Shanka you got you got or we you know you got a, 
living newspaper coming back, but what are you doing in the in the meanwhile? Like, are you designing other stuff or are you finding another thing to, to enjoy during lockdown? I mean, yeah, not a huge amount's going on right now. I've been doing a lot of yoga, trying to cook again, be oh. more vegetarian. I mean, I, there's stuff that's going to come, but I think as with ever, yeah. it's sort of like hibernating until it's time. Just like, you know, we're pacing ourselves again. God, absolutely. Right, well, we've got we to gotta say goodbye, Shanko. Goodbye, Mark. Wonderful to speak to you. Again. Yeah, um, you know, we'll see each other in actual real life eventually. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Royal Court Living Newspaper Clippings. To watch clips of the work by these writers and find out more about Living Newspaper, visit royalcourttheatre.com forward slash livingnewspaper or click on the links in the episode notes.